Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome to It's All Political on Fifth and Mission. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer, and today we're talking about what the state legislature accomplished this year and what Governor Gavin Newsom thinks of their work. The legislature has wrapped up its work for the year, and now there are about 900 bills on Newsom's desk. He has until October 14th to sign them into law or veto them into oblivion. Newsom faces a tricky balancing act on several levels. Last year, Newsom vetoed a lot of bills that he liked because he was being cautious about the state's and the nation's shaky finances. That might come into play again this year, as California lawmakers have been coping with a $30 billion state budget deficit. Plus, there are political considerations. Newsom is not running for president this year, but likely will consider running in 2028 after he is termed out of the governor's office in 2026. But while some laws he signs this year might be popular in politically blue California, they could raise eyebrows in Iowa or South Carolina or other more conservative parts of the country were he to campaign there. Here to make sense of this all is the Chronicle's Sacramento correspondent, Sophia Bolag. Sophia Bolag, welcome back to It's All Political on Fifth and Mission. Here in San Francisco, we're in San Francisco together. It's great to be here. Yeah, this doesn't happen very often, so this is great. Sophia, last year, Newsom vetoed some bills because of the precarious state of the budget. But we just got word this week that tax revenues are running ahead of projections. So how will this shape Newsom's decisions this year? So Newsom has, as you mentioned, been you know hesitant in the past to commit to a lot of spending outside the budget. And that's why you saw a lot of those vetoes last year. That's a trend he's carried over from his predecessor, Jerry Brown, who would always admonish the legislature for trying to spend too much money. <laughs> Winter is coming. It yes. was always coming with Jerry. Like <laughs> the guy was in a perpetual state of fall. Totally. And Newsom has has kind of, you know, continued some of that. He would probably call it fiscal prudence. And there are obviously still concerns nationally about a potential recession or, you know, if not a full-blown recession, you know, just some some economic turmoil in the future. Inflation is obviously still an issue. Mm-hmm. And in California specifically, you know, Newsom and his fiscal analysts have even more uncertainty this year than they do normally. And that's because most counties in California have an extended tax deadline. Mm-hmm. So that means you have a lot of California filers filing late. The deadline for most counties is actually October 16th, which is two days after Newsom has to sign or veto all the bills that are before him. So I think that it's safe to assume that he will continue to be cautious about spending a lot of money. So some of these really high price tag items that lawmakers have sent him, I think we can probably assume those are are likely vetoes, but we'll see. He hasn't weighed in on most of the bills that are on his desks. There's always a bit of guessing when we have these conversations yes, that's, that's, about what he's going to do. That's the fun part is the guessing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about a few key bills to focus on. Let's start with those pushed by organized labor. 
Labor, as we know, very powerful force in Sacramento, and it got a lot through this year. But while Newsom may be a friend of labor, he's not going to sign all these measures. Let's start with a, a bill that will raise the pay of fast food workers to $20 an hour, and another that increases the minimum wage for healthcare workers, and that extends the folks like janitors to $25 an hour. Where's Newsom likely to go on those? Newsom has not officially weighed in on these bills, so it is still an open question. But I think it's worth noting that these two bills are the product of intense negotiation between organized labor and the industry groups that initially opposed them and now have been at least somewhat placated by changes that organized labor and and lawmakers made to the measures. So they're both compromises. And I think that that means it it might be something that both of these bills might be more likely for Newsom to sign just because there is less opposition than there was at the start. Um, But they are still both potentially tough bills for him. Obviously, he's a Democrat, and so he is typically aligned with organized labor. But these could potentially be costly to key industries in California, specifically the fast food industry and the healthcare hospital industry. And so we'll see. But I would say that because these were the product of intense negotiations, these are probably more likely to see signatures than some other bills that continue to have really intense opposition and there weren't the kind of negotiations that you saw on these two measures. Which brings us to two other measures that uh, labor is, is, is backing. And let's start with one that would pay unemployment benefits to striking workers. That sounds like one of the ones that Newsom might be a little bit more leery about signing. Yeah, I I imagine this one will be tough for Newsom. You know, opponents of this particular measure have noted that California's unemployment insurance fund is under a lot of pressure right now. Unemployment skyrocketed during the pandemic, and that's forced California to borrow money from the federal government to supplement its unemployment funds. And so this bill would put further strain on the state's unemployment coffers. And Newsom hasn't said whether he'll sign or veto it, but I would imagine that that issue will be top of mind for him, the issue of of California's overburdened unemployment. Yeah, it sounds like that. And there's another one that I wrote about the other day. It would require driverless trucks to include a human driver. The national head of the Teamsters Union came to Sacramento this week for a big caravan to urge Newsom to sign up. But it sounds like he's going to veto it. One of his top economic advisors, uh, Dee Dee Myers of uh, West Wing fame. Uh, Remember West Wing back in the day? She said that they are leery of slowing down the growth of the AI industry, especially here in San Francisco. You know, we're trying to pull out of the doom loop. What do you think about that one? This one is a really interesting for Newsom in particular. Like I said, he's a Democrat. He's historically been very aligned with labor unions as Democrats tend to be, but he's also the former mayor of San Francisco. And he wrote a whole book about how government should adopt the innovative tactics of Silicon Valley. He's historically been pretty aligned with the tech industry, too. And so this is one that kind of puts him in the middle of these two constituencies that he, you know, probably wants to keep really good relations with both. Um, Somebody's going to be sad. Yes. One of his friends is going to be sad on that one. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about another one. It's been a very good few months for labor, regardless of where he goes in those last two. Hot labor summer is what it's been called. 
But we've got an auto order strike going on right now, and that could go a lot of different ways nationally, both for President Biden and for labor-friendly Democrats across the country. What, what's the balancing act that Newsom is trying to achieve here between you know, his friends in labor and the, the business community? Yeah. In addition to the auto workers' strike, I'd also mention the Hollywood strikes, the Hollywood sure. writers and yep. actors. Newsom really, as aligned as he often is with labor, he really can't afford to alienate car manufacturers or Hollywood studios. He sometimes has to do his own negotiations with those industries. As an example, when Donald Trump was president, he and Newsom obviously were often at odds on various policy issues, including on climate. And Newsom actually went and made deals on auto emission standards directly with some major car companies. And so I would imagine that future deals like that could be more difficult if he gets in the middle of an acrimonious labor dispute like this. Same goes for Hollywood. Newsom has actually said that he's been involved with negotiations, but he's been involved as a mediator not as someone who is clearly intervening on one side or the other, at least not publicly. And so I think it really is, you know, you use the word, I, I think, balance or balancing act. And I think that's really what it is for him. These are key industries in California, and he can't afford to alienate them. Right. And his wife is a SAG cardholder. Yes. A, she's a, and, and a director, too. One bill passed by the state legislature would decriminalize psychedelic mushrooms. What does Governor Gavin Newsom think about that? We'll hear about that and a whole lot more coming up after this break. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. And now, back to our conversation with the Chronicle's Sacramento correspondent, Sophia Bolag, about what the legislature actually accomplished this year. Sophia, the governor recently spent several days in New York for Climate Week. We won't talk about whether that's a junket or not, but there is a lot of uh, good work being done there. Before him are several pieces of legislation that he said, and, and supporters say, could cement California's leadership on climate issues. I was at Dreamforce the other day, the, the Salesforce conference here in San Francisco, where Newsom was sitting down with Salesforce uh, founder Mark Benioff, and they were talking, and Newsom said, climate is California's foreign policy. And what he means by that is that because we are the nations of the world's fourth largest economy, or almost there, uh, what we do on climate has ripples throughout the world. So what is the, the governor considering on climate? Yeah. So as you mentioned, he plans to sign a couple of bills that the legislature sent him. One would require companies to disclose their emissions. Another would require them to disclose their climate-related financial risk. He did note when he you know, said that he would sign them that they might need some cleanup. Not totally clear what that means, but it could mean that there could be some follow-up legislation potentially next year. We'll see what he ends up doing. But he's done that before on bills that he supported in concept or largely supported but felt like there needed to be some changes to. So that is something we've seen him do before. 
We'll see if that happens on these bills. But he did sort of allude. So that could be like a, a friendly veto or or could would he pass it and then pass another piece of legislation afterwards? He committed to signing them. So I would be very surprised if he vetoed either one after saying he would sign them. Mm-hmm. But he might have potentially a signing message where he says, I would like to see, you know, X changed in legislation next year or I've got a deal with a lawmaker to introduce legislation next year to change things. I don't know that that will happen, but that's something he's done in the past. And that cleanup comment he made kind of suggests that maybe that Mm. will happen on these. But I would say to your point about California doing sort of foreign policy on climate, this is typically an area where California governors act more like presidents or like, you know, federal officials than governors because sometimes they make what are sometimes called subnational agreements, like agreements with other states. Mm -hmm. Newsom has a trip planned to China in a number of weeks, specifically going to talk about climate issues. That's another thing that he is continuing in the footsteps of his predecessor, Jerry Brown, Mm -hmm. who also traveled to China, who signed a number of subnational climate pacts with governments within China, not necessarily at the national level, but the the equivalent of the state level. Mm-hmm. And it's something where because California is so large, it's an opportunity for California governors to punch above, you know, the weight of other governors yeah. of smaller states, just because California by virtue of its size, produces a lot of emissions and is a major contributor to greenhouse emissions and and therefore has to be a big player in reducing greenhouse gas emissions. So it's an area where California gets to sort of act like its own country in yeah. some ways, even though it's not. He always calls us the, the California, the nation state of California. Absolutely. We all want to know about housing and what it will take to make it easier to build housing here in California. The state and San Francisco are way behind in their targets to build housing that the state has set. And there's one piece of legislation that was inspired, I believe, by the challenges to build housing at UC Berkeley that the governor has signed, correct? Yeah. This is one bill that he has already put his signature on. This is a bill that would amend California's environmental laws so that housing projects don't need to study the noise that future residents might make. This is sort of an attempt by the legislature and by Newsom to put an end to what's been sometimes called the people as pollution argument that was used to block development in People's Park in Berkeley and is, is is an argument that's been made by Berkeley residents who don't want to see more housing. They've argued that student housing in particular, that college students are loud, they have parties. No. And, <laughs> um, you know, that's an impact on the environment. And therefore, that housing shouldn't be allowed or should be delayed while there's further study. And that's something that Gavin Newsom and Assemblymember Buffy Wicks, who's a Democrat from Oakland, have really come out very strongly against. And so this bill that was authored by Wicks and signed by Newsom would sort of block that argument moving forward. 
Now, Newsom has made himself a national leader on gun control. He's backing a constitutional amendment on gun control. That we've talked about that in the past where, you know, that's a, a long shot at best. But there's also a bill that gun control advocates want that would levy an 11% retail tax on guns and ammunition. That would raise about $160 million a year, and that would go to gun violence programs. Sophia, is this a slam dunk for the gov or what? Potentially. Newsom has been really out front on a lot of gun control issues. He has been a champion for lots of of bills and even some ballot measures that aim to crack down on unsafe gun use. He is a supporter of having age limits for purchasing guns, universal background checks. A lot of that is in the proposed constitutional amendment that lawmakers passed that was really something that Newsom put forward and really is one of his pet issues for this year. But he hasn't weighed in on this particular proposed tax. Obviously, any potential proposed tax is is something that can be fraught for a politician, but certainly on gun control, it would be surprising to see the governor not support a gun control measure. Let's now talk about one of everyone's favorite issues, Sophia, and that is uh, psychedelic mushrooms. San Francisco State Senator Scott Weiner has a bill that would decriminalize uh, so-called magic mushrooms, so-called magic mushrooms. Oregon and Colorado have already done so. So has uh, my home city of Oakland. These psychedelics have been shown to, to have value in treating folks with PTSD and depression, and this would pave the way for more of that to happen. And uh, here's a question I've always wanted to ask on this podcast. Sophia, where is the governor on shrooms? <laughs> well, he has so Not far... Not that he's on shrooms, but, but where's, uh, what is his position on, on, on shrooms? Um, so far, he's declined to say. He has been asked about this bill, and like most bills, he hasn't said whether he's going to sign or veto it. He was, in the past, a, a big proponent of legalizing marijuana in California. Yes, yes. He advocated for that in a different way. He was really the face of that effort. And so I think it'll be interesting to see what he does on this bill where he really has not been publicly involved with it. So I think it it remains to be seen, but certainly he's not automatically opposed to decriminalizing some types of drugs. It's something that he has actually advocated for in the past, and we'll see where he ends up coming down on the mushroom issue. Some of these issues you just mentioned, whether it be uh, mushrooms or taxing guns, these can play well in California, but outside of our friendly state's confines, they might not play as well. And uh, we know more than a year ago, I believe, the governor told you that he has, quote, sub-zero interest in running for president and and barring a lot of unforeseen factors. He will not run in 2024 for those who keep uh, bringing that up in our Twitter feeds. But he is termed out in 2026 from the governor's office here in California, just in time to run in 2028. Which one of these bills, if he signs them, might be a tough one for him to sell to people in Iowa and South Carolina and all those states where they look at us funny here? Yeah, I would say potentially a lot of them. But one that sticks out to me is the unemployment insurance bill. That's one we've just talked about. It would allow striking workers who have been on strike for more than two weeks to dip into unemployment insurance funds. 
And that one is a key priority of labor's, which is a constituency that were he to run for president, even though he says he has no interest in doing that, if he sub were to zero. do it, yeah, sub, sub zero, um, you know, he would need labor support in order yes. to, to do that. But that I think would be potentially a very tough sell for him at the national level, especially because of the problems that he had with California's unemployment system during the pandemic. I covered the governor very closely during the pandemic, and that was really one of the biggest headaches for him. There was mm. a lot of many billions of dollars in fraud, unemployment fraud. That happened on his watch. It's something that if he were to run for any future office that he runs for, I'm sure his opponents would bring it up. And if he commits to further spending from these already overburdened funds, I think it gives even more of an opportunity potentially for his opponents to criticize him for his track record on handling California's unemployment system. So that's one that I think if he were to sign it, which we have no idea what he's going to do on it, but if he were to sign it, that could potentially create a headache for him with a, a future national run. Potential. Potential, Potential national future run. national run. We have, we're, <laughs> I think we're contractually obligated to say yes. or else uh, we'll, we'll be getting calls. <laughs> all right, Sophia, thank you for being uh, on It's All Political on Fifth and Mission and, and in person. It was wonderful to have you here. This was great. Thanks so much for having me. I'd like to thank you for listening and hope that you and your family are safe and healthy. I'd like to thank my bud, Sophia Bolag, for joining me today. Thanks and props to Keith Benconi for producing today's episode and to Gary Baca for the edits. And remember, no matter where you're at on Shrooms, it's all political on Fifth and Mission.